Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. A few years ago, or a year ago, I became familiar with T.J. Klune with his book, Under the Whispering Door. It was a wonderful game changer in my reading experience, and I'm so excited to welcome T.J. Today's, to today's episode. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. And I have just finished Heat Wave, which is your third book in the Extraordinaries series, can you give us a little idea of what it's about? Yeah, so the Extraordinary series is a trilogy. The first book came out in 2020 called The Extraordinaries. The sequel was last summer, Flash Fire. Then this summer, July 19th, sees the release of Heatwave, the, the trilogy capper. And the books are about a fanboy with ADHD named Nick. And Nick obsesses over the superheroes that protect his city called Extraordinary, so much so that he writes very flowery, purple prosed fan fiction about them where he gets to self-insert and play one of the characters and be the hero of the story. And it's through his obsession with these superheroes that Nick, as someone who is neurodiverse, I, I can speak to this, that this would be our line of thinking, that why can't he be a superhero? I mean, if you think about it, comics are, at least for me, when I was growing up, I always read comics as being queer coded because you had mm -hmm. these people who were different, who were othered, and they had to hide their identity. And we, I knew how that felt because I was this queer kid growing up in rural Oregon in the 90s. And I had ADHD. I didn't know how to sit down. I didn't know how to shut up. I didn't know how to stop moving. And I was a fet. I was effeminate in my movements. Mm -hmm. So that, of course, made me a target. So with these books, I wanted to imagine a world where there is a kid who has ADHD, who is queer, but in these books, in this world, there is no homophobia. There is no uh, issues about sexuality. All these kids, the main four friend group, Nick, Seth, Jazz, and Gibby, by the time the first book opens, they're already out. They are already out to their parents, to their friends, to their families, and they have universal support. And unfortunately, I guess that, along with the superheroes, can make this a fantasy novel. Because, unfortunately, we don't get to see that happen all the time. So with this series, in addition to wanting to be about superheroes and wanting to be about fandom, I also wanted to, to be about where the queer aspect was not the main focal point. These kids just happen to be queer. And that's, what they, that's who they are. In Heatwave, the final uh, book in the series... It immediately picks up after the ending of Flashfire. And so if you've read that cliffhanger ending, you know there are big, big earth-shattering revelations that come out. And Heatwave picks up right on the on the, the front of that. And you get to see the fallout of these revelations and that things don't appear to be quite right. That's a wonderful thing, too. And I it should be pointed out that I read Heatwave without reading the first two. And it it stands completely alone. I don't think it gives away anything from book one and two, but it, it's a standalone book. And I agree with you. What you've done is you've brought us characters who are already out. You've given us queer representation that is 
that is positive. And I, it was so wonderful to see that because I think that is something that I had the same thing struggling with growing up that I knew I was different. I really didn't know what word I was supposed to put to it. I simply knew I was different. These kids are all unique and they have strengths, they have weaknesses, and you've played them perfectly. And that's so interesting for me as a reader. It, I wanted them to be, you know, even though this book is fantastical, I wanted them to be real. I wanted them to feel like they could be somebody that you know, or somebody that your kids are friends with, or somebody, if you are a teenager, somebody that you could be friends with. Because if, if you don't feel that connection to these characters, you're not going to care about their journey. You're not going to care about their struggles and you're not going to care about their triumphs. And, and I, I've been there. I've been in books like that where you, where you just don't care about what happens to the characters. And I, I want to avoid that if at all possible, because look, I love these characters. I, I wouldn't have written three books about them if I didn't. I love them. I love every aspect of them, their faults, their, their, their joy, their unbridled joy when they succeed and they get to succeed. They get to be happy. And at the same time, they get to be the heroes of their own story, which is something that I didn't get to have. That it sounds like you didn't get to have either when you were no, a kid. No. And I loved the dad squad. So I'm very, <laughs> I'm very fond of books that deal with queer kids that have a positive father influence. Mm -hmm. I loved my mom and I loved my dad. Oftentimes, I think gay boys are often associated with their moms. Right. I was associated with my mom, perfectly happy with that. But it's all, I was also very happy with my dad. So for me, when I read something that has a dad squad that is so positive, the moms were wonderful, mm -hmm. but the dad squad was its own little entity. And that, that made me very happy. Right. It's, it's this idea of, of, you know, obviously, whether it be a, a two-parent family, whether they be straight, whether they be queer, whether it be a single parent, whether it be a guardian raising a child that may not be theirs by birth, but is theirs some other way. Um, the, it is, <laughs> sorry, I just got very happy thinking about this book again. It's, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Dad, dad I, I wanted to to explore the idea of dismantling toxic masculinity. The idea oh, that men, apparently, you know, grown men, I'm not talking about the kids here. I'm talking about their the fathers, as you said, or their guardians, that they get to um, show emotion. They get to, yeah. they get to be upset. They get to cry. They get to be sad or angry or upset. They don't have to be stoic men who are supposed to let emotion just fall off their shoulders. People feel things. And the fact that we continue to push this idea that men are supposed to be this masculine stoic rock is, is ridiculous. And so with the dad squad, I wanted to show that these dads, these group of men love their children so much that they will do anything for them, including helping them with their battles, with their struggles, and also embarrassing the crap out of them because that's what dads do. <laughs> dads are, you know, I, I, including these, incorporating these fathers, I wanted to, A, show them supporting their kids, but I also wanted them to be the daddest dads that have ever existed. I mean, dad jokes left and right. That is Nick's father to a team. <laughs> and I love that they have that kind of relationship because Nick's father is uh, throughout the, the series, he is a single father. He is raising Nick on his own. And it is, um, 
It's not perfect, but they, they try because they know how much they love each other. I never got to have that. My, my own family was not welcoming or accepting in mm. any stretch of the imagination. So when I'm writing these uh, characters like this, and you're right, a lot of times for some reason, gay men are associated with their mothers. For me, I was desperate for a father figure. I was desperate. My real dad died when I was very young. And then my mother remarried to a homophobic terror. And so I never got to have that strong male influence in my life. And I want that for these kids. I want that for, for every kid. I want them to be able to have a dad, have a mom, have two dads, have two moms, have three moms. I don't know. All I want is for these people to be accepted and to be happy and to be loved, to be allowed to carve a space for themselves out in the world. That's the whole point of kids. They are supposed to be weird because they don't yet have the, the filter <laughs> that comes with the cynicism of age. They yeah. don't have that. They they are they should be allowed to say whatever's in their head. They should be allowed to get in trouble because that's how they learn. That's how they grow and learn boundaries and respect. And having the dad squad be able to help them with that is just icing on the cake for me. <laughs> and Aaron Bell just tortures poor Nikki. And, you know, it, but he does it out of love. I mean, he talks about uh, sex and right. protecting himself and what to do right. And, may, you know, and he gives Nikki options. And that I do think is something that I, well, I'm positive I didn't get that. My dad asked me when I was 23 years old if he needed to know anything. <laughs> that was that was the extent of my sex education when I was 23. Do, do I need to tell my dad anything? Right. And that is the extent, unfortunately, of sex education for most queer kids in the United States now. Yes. The yes. queer sex education is 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 built and directed towards heterosexual kids. Queer kids, be they guys, gals, or non-binary pals, they don't have education that is directly built for them. And so where do they go? They go out into the wide world. They go out yeah. into the internet. They go out into pornography. They go out to, into things that aren't realistic as to what love and sex can actually be. There's a time and place for eroticism and pornography. That I have no issue with that. My issue is, is that we aren't teaching kids consent, boundaries, prep, condom usage, everything, dental dams, everything that goes into, into protecting a child, protecting a kid as they're growing up and becoming a, a sexual being, they have to know where, where to start, where to begin right. and how to protect themselves. And so when you have Nick's father being, having frank conversations with his kid and Nick being 16, 17 years old is groaning through them. But there is a moment <laughs> after Nick's embarrassing scene with his father in Heatwave, where he's having a conversation with Seth. And there's no, I'm not going to spoil anything. But it, what Nick says is, I can't believe my dad would do something like that. Then he stops himself. And he says, how lucky am I that I have a dad that would do something yeah. like that? How yeah. lucky am I that I get to have a father come to me after he's obviously done research, which, <laughs> you know, but still to be able to have that is just, I wish that for every queer kid. I wish that for every queer person who has ever felt like they didn't have anybody to turn to, that they could have a parent like Aaron Bell, who may embarrass the crap out of them, but he's doing it because he loves them more than anything. 
Yes, yes. And I also think that besides turning to things like the internet and books and stuff, some queer kids turn to unhealthy relationships with mm -hmm. people who are not sure, they're questioning their identity, but queer kids latch on to anything for a knowledge and oftentimes can form unhealthy relationships. I was, I love the positivity of your writing. That was something that I noticed in Undering the Whispering Door, once again with Heat Wave. There is such a positivity about the queer representation that you bring to us. And I know from the sleeve on your books that that's something that you're very passionate about doing. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you. It's, it's, Look, I told myself when I first started writing way back, my first book came out way back in 2011. And I told myself then before the book came out that even if one queer person read the book and it helped them, then I'd have done my job. Here I am 11 years later and I have heard from countless queer people from all over the world. And let me tell you what, the job I set out to do, I've done my job, but I am not done. I am going to continue on and I'm going to keep giving queer people the stories that they deserve because nobody else is going to give us a happy ending. We need to make our own. And I'm going to continue to do that because nobody's going to, nobody's going to help us with that. We, I don't like the idea that we're in this alone, but with all this anti-LGBTQ plus legislation that's crossing the United States at this moment, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to feel like that it's not us versus them. And I try to quell that thought because I remember that like it says in the book, we are so much stronger together than we ever are apart. And Absolutely. the fact that, that we need to have the, continue to have these conversations is, is important because let's face it, queer people aren't going anywhere. We, we've had this whole save the children argument back in the seventies with Anita Bryant and in Florida, in Dade County, Florida. And look how that turned out. Look how that turned out. Most everyone can agree that Anita Bryant was not a good person. No. So now these same people who are using her exact same arguments, you know, what is it, 50 years later? Yeah. We see you. We see yeah. you. And trust me, 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now, we are going to look back on those same people with the same disdain that we look back on a woman like Anita Bryant. I agree. And I, I do think the fight isn't over. And I think that we also, as queer people, have to pick our allies, ask them to work with us. And we also have a responsibility to work with them. I'm yeah. a very big proponent of women's rights, mm -hmm. women's rights to choose 100% every day of the week. Never will I back down. And I walk that walk and I talk that talk because that is important to me because mm -hmm. I need my allies to do the same thing. And if they don't, I hold their feet over the fire because it's, it's a two-way street, but we are in this together because people like our former president and a lot of current legislation that is trying to be pushed through different government agencies, they're showing us their face. They're showing us that we're not finished Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, whatever the work is, I'm here to do it. I do think that what you and a lot of other authors that I've been fortunate enough to talk with are doing is you are making a difference. This heat wave has a wee bit of a political undertone to it. Mm -hmm. it. It moves the narrative along and it's something, it's important. It doesn't beat us over the head and it's not the only thing. The characters are the 
important thing, but we see this underlying tone in heat wave that reminds us that yes, even with young adults, they have to be aware of what's going on around them. Right. They have to be cognizant. And and what's what's great about this day and age is that kids are much savvier than I ever was at their age <laughs> because they have li literally the entire world at their fingertips in their phone. Yeah. So they can learn about the world. They can learn about the things that they were never taught in schools, about the 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 good that, that this country has done, but also the immense darkness that yes. we have and, and that, that exists in some of the people that live in this country. And Frankly, I, I worry about the future, but I also know that, you know, to, to bring up that old phrase, the kids are going to be all right because they know how to make the world into one where they want to be, where they, yeah. where they can be free and accepted and happy. It's going to take a lot of work. We've been, I mean, my, I'm 40 years old. I don't consider myself old, but I do consider myself a bit of a gay elder. And I, oh, the thing that I request, if there's any young people listening to this, learn your queer history, learn where you came from, learn about Silver Lake in the 70s in, in California, learn about Stonewall in New York in, in, that happened two years later, learn why people of color and trans people were part of the biggest part of queer, yes. the queer rights movement. Learn your history. Don't be the cis white gay <laughs> that thinks you're better than everybody else because you're not. You are able to enjoy the freedoms that you have because of so many people that came before you and laid down their, put their lives on the line to, to have us enjoy the freedoms that we have today. In 2015, when Obergfell um, made uh, gay marriage legal in the United States, I remember straight people being very witty and saying, oh, I guess that we've just solved homophobia. No, that's not. Because it was eight people who decided that we could marry. Eight people right. who decided. And you know what? There are so many more of us than there are of them. Trust me. <laughs> the idea that I see articles from conservative sites mocking the idea of more and more queer people coming out, that there's a higher percentage of queer people speaking their truth. And the reason that it, that's been that high is A, it's always been that high. Yes. We have always existed. And B, we are now getting to a point where we are molding our language to understand what we are. And so maybe, yes, there are more and more people coming out because 20 years ago, people didn't have the language or the resources to do that. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know asexual, pansexual, bisexual, omnisexual, any of these things. They did not know that. So now, now more and more people are coming out, not because more and more people are trying to jump on the gay bandwagon, no. but more and more people are feeling comfortable and feeling good about themselves and finding a label that fits for them. Labels aren't the be all and the end all, but if you find one that works for you, mazel tov, shout it from the rooftops, man, because you know what? Your voice deserves to be heard. Absolutely. And I do think that we are better at including people now than we used to be. I'm 20 years older than you or almost 20 years older than you. There were two and a half. There was gay, straight, and bisexual. Bisexual got the half because it was it was the dark thing in the closet nobody wanted to talk about. Now we are understanding that the queer spectrum is so much larger than we ever thought possible because not everyone feels the same as everyone else. And if you find a label that fits you, 
It doesn't have to fit for life. It mm -hmm. must fit you for right now. If you decide to expand, contract, change, it is completely up to you. And that's the beauty of where we are today. And it should be a lot more beautiful tomorrow. Right. And, and, I, and I hope that that will be the case. And it, and it, it always makes me wonder, though, if, if people hadn't grown up conditioned to be in a straight world, what would the numbers look like? How different would things be? Would there be more and more people that, especially of an older generation, but you know, people in their 70s and 80s and 90s. I mean, I, I read a story just a few months ago about a 90-year-old British man who came out at 90 for the yeah. first time. And that just, I just can't, can you imagine the relief he must have felt? Precisely. The, the sheer weight of, of everything, his entire 90 years, lifted off his shoulder at least for a moment you know i love it i do too i just i i love my community because my community can take the lumps but we get right back up and trust me again we are not going <laughs> and it is important and once again i really do appreciate what you've done with the extraordinaries i think you've given um a young adult audience, something to aspire to, something to enjoy, something to laugh with, something to cry with. And I think it's absolutely wonderful. You Thank also you. have other, you have another series of books, is that correct? I have, I've written over 30 books, so. <laughs> okay, I, just so we're clear, I'm a little behind, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have many series. Um, Tor, my publisher, recently just purchased uh, the rights to my back catalog, uh, a queer paranormal series called uh, Green Creek. They will be publishing that in hardcover starting this fall. And then um, next March is, is the book I've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. It is called In the Lives of Puppets. And it is a queer retelling of Carlo Collodi's The Adventures of Pinocchio. And it is, uh, it does not involve puppets per se, but androids, robots, machines. And it is, there is a side character in this book who, I mean, he's not even a side character. He's almost on every single page. He is a Roomba vacuum with social anxiety and his name is Rambo. And he, he, People are going to lose their minds over this little vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already looking on Amazon to see if they have one of those yet. Oh, so. yeah. And, yeah. It comes out March of 2023, and it is going to be a blast. It is the, the arguably the most ambitious novel I've ever written, and it is an extraordinary adventure about family, about a family made up of spare parts. I love it. Well, I hope you will come back or at least oh, think about it. I would love it. So will you, would you like to share social media, website? Those Absolutely. You can find me at tjclunebooks.com. That will show my blog that I rarely update because I'm a bad, bad person. And my schedule that I also rarely update because I need to hire somebody to do that for me. Um, I am also on Twitter at tjclune and Instagram at tjclunebooks. Those are the two places where I hang out on social media. Fantastic. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I've really enjoyed it. And I hope you the most wonderful continued success. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Hang on for me. Thank you for joining me with Out With Dan. See you soon.
Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out with Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan.